Good morning! Happy Easter! Our resurrection Easter gospel today is from the 20th chapter of John, beginning at verse 1. Glory to you, O Lord! Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the stripes of linen lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the stripes of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, he also went inside. He saw and he believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She said, They have taken my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not recognize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? And thinking that he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have, where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I, am not yet ret- I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, and she said, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The Gospel of our Lord. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, who instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be made truly wise, and ever rejoice in his consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. For the past five and a half, almost six weeks now, we have been journeying with Jesus and his disciples to Jerusalem. And we have gathered here faithfully every Wednesday during our Lenten journey. And one of the things that we have done each and every Wednesday that we have laid claim to, and we have confidently and faithfully and with great hope, we have sang words from the Holden Evening Vespers Liturgy. And those words that we have sung are words of promise, of hope, and of resurrection. And again, I just want to remind you of some of those words that we have sung throughout these last six and a half weeks, or six weeks or so. Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world, a light to 
a light no darkness can overcome. Let the light scatter the darkness and illumine your people here. Joyous light of heavenly glory, loving glow of God's own face, shine on every land and race. God of daybreak, God of shadow, come and light our hearts anew. Let us each reflect your light. And this phrase I especially love, for you are the gentle Christ. You are the gentle Christ who lights our way. Lead us on to endless day. And finally, this verse. May the light of your Christ make our darkness bright. For your word and your presence are the light of our pathways. And you are the light and the life of all creation. Speaking those words don't even do justice to the beauty of the melody that we have sung these last five and a half weeks together on our Lenten journey. But I just felt that those words needed to be spoke today because those are Easter words, those are resurrection words, and they are words of promise. There is something very profound and significant about the very first few words of this gospel reading today. It says that early in the morning while it was still dark, Early in the morning, while it was still dark. That's where Easter really began. And it's where the Christian faith was birthed. Faith in the risen Jesus has been birthed out of darkness and death. In the cold, black, dark tomb of darkness. This tomb of death has now, on this Easter morn, it has actually become the birth canal of life. It's become the birth canal of eternal life. As God in Christ said, death cannot contain me. Darkness and the chill of death will not, and it has not, nor will it ever overcome us. The work of Christ came to proclaim and to give to you and to I and to the world this gift. And it has been fulfilled in his victory over death and the grave on this Easter morning. Last week I said that this week of passion and resurrection is the beginning of the Christian faith. For if there was no resurrection from the dead, there would be no Christian faith. These words that we just heard from the Apostle Paul, from the letter that he wrote to the people of Corinth, these are faith-birthing words, not only for the people of Corinth, but they were a witness and a faith-birthing word to the people of Corinth. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is worthless and your faith is worth nothing. But he goes on, he says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came with a man, the resurrection of the dead also came through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. That is a faith-birthing word to us. It's the words of the Christian faith coming to life. This resurrection account in the Gospel of John, I believe that it is a resurrection account that touches each of us here today uniquely 
where we are at in our journey with Jesus. Every single one of us here today is at a different place in our life and our journey with Jesus. And I am so grateful that this gospel passage, this resurrection story, it was experienced by multiple people. We know for sure that at least in this account, there were three people. There was Peter, the other disciple, oftentimes known as John, and then Mary Magdalene. And they all approached the empty tomb. Each of them experienced it. They all reacted and they responded in uniquely different ways. Words and emotions were more than likely all over the map on that day. And we especially hear that through the voice of Mary. We can, just, we can just hear it. We can just hear the multitude of feelings and the, 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 the sense of anxiety that she was experiencing through the way in which she expressed herself. I wonder if we can even begin to comprehend or understand that experience that they had on that first Easter morning. Feelings of astonishment, perhaps. Feelings of disbelief of anxiety. And I'm not sure if it was anger or if it was more anxiety, but you could hear it in Mary's voice, this whole idea of somebody possibly stealing the body of Jesus. Was this now, because Jesus wasn't in the tomb, was this a time of doubt? Or did something finally click? Did something finally click that made all all this sense? That all of these things that Jesus had been talking about prior to this time, all of it was now coming true. That he truly was to be raised on the third day, as he had said he would be. My sense is, is that the early witnesses to the resurrection, not just Peter and John or Mary Magdalene, but all the rest of the disciples... My sense is, is that this early witness to the resurrection, I, th- I think that they struggled to make sense of all that they were seeing and experiencing. And yet we also know that over time, the realization that Jesus had indeed overcame death in the grave, as it became more and more apparent to them, it was something that they simply could not remain silent about. And that is how this Christian faith was birthed through their witness of what they had seen and experienced on this Easter morning. You know, as I've, as I've reflected a little bit about all of these multitude of feelings and uh, uh, perhaps disbelief and doubt, or whatever these different, things, all of these different things that the disciples and Mary were feeling on that morning, it's, it, it made me take some time this week to uh, think back on my own life a little bit. And I was thinking particularly about back when I was around 13 or 14 years of age. And I can say to you with absolute certainty that at that point in my life and my walk and my journey of faith, I was simply a wandering, questioning child of God. If you were to ask me if I had any sense or certainty about who I was or what it was that I truly believed, I think I would have told you that I did not have the slightest idea really what I even truly believed or who I was at that point in my life. And even though I didn't know it at the time, that was okay. 
even though I didn't feel like it was okay, but it was okay. And I wish my pastor would have told me that back then. But the pastor that I had back then was kind of one of those staunch German hairy, hairy pastor, you know. Uh, and the only type of emotion that I seemed to get out of him was a sense of fear more than <laughs> grace. And I wish, I wish he would have said to me, or I wish someone would have said to me, and yes, that voice did come to me later on, I wish someone would have been able to say to me, it's okay to be where you're at right now in the midst of your doubt and your anxiety and your uncertainty about who you are and who Jesus is to you. And the reason why I can say that it's okay is because now, in retrospect, I know that Jesus knew me and that Jesus also knew that his spirit lived in me and that it was just going to take some time for that spirit to continually kind of come out and to grow and to mature. And that's caused me to think a little bit about the fact that uh, we, we met here this past Wednesday with our confirmation students. We have four confirmation students who are in the process of finishing up their two-year journey with their confirmation instruction. And in about a month and a half from now, they will be experiencing a rite of passage, a milestone in their lives. They will be celebrating the rite, the R-I-T-E, rite of confirmation, where they will come forth in front of this congregation and they will profess the faith of the Christian church. And they will be prayed over and laid hands upon, and then they will be confirmed as members of our faith family, as adult members in our faith family. Over these past two years, there's four people that have journeyed with these young people, Jill, Mark, Hannah, and myself. And that journey that we've taken with them, from my perspective, and I know from Mark and from Hannah and from Jill's perspective, that journey that we have taken with them, it is a labor of love. And the reason why it's a labor of love is because this divine story of Jesus coming into the world and bringing the kingdom through his life and through his teachings, through his acts of love and compassion, and yes, most importantly, because of what he did for us through his death and resurrection, this divine story for Jill and for Mark and for Hannah and myself, it is central to our lives and it is central to who we are. Christ's life, death, and resurrection is at the very heart of our faith and it is the foundation of our hope. And we tried and we continue to this day and we continue to try and be faithful and attempting to share that divine story with these young adults. They are currently in the process of drafting and formulating a mission statement about themselves and their current journey with Jesus. And one of the things that we have tried to convey to them is that this mission statement that they are about to do, it's about where they are right now. It's where they are at on their journey and their relationship with Jesus right now. And one of the things that we've been trying to convey to them is that wherever that is for you, that's where Jesus meets you on your journey right now today. And the one thing that I want to continue to say to my young students who are there trying to formulate these 
mission statements is that it's okay. It's okay where it is that you are at right now because I wish I would have had a pastor that would have told me that when I was their age. Because I want them to know that Jesus knows them through and through and his spirit lives in them. I say all that because I think that for Mary and for Peter and for John and for the other disciples, they too went through a lot of different feelings and doubts and sense of anxiety and uncertainties before this faith began to take root in them. Now, I like the image of the Apostle Paul who speaks in Romans 8, verse 22, where he writes, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters for the redemption of our bodies. When I think back on my own life when I was their age, I didn't know it at the time. And perhaps our confirmation youth today do not know it either, but it's okay to be experiencing the pangs of growing into a greater understanding of your faith in Jesus. And I want to say that to you today too, that it's okay wherever you're at, wherever you are at in your understanding of this resurrected Lord and Savior in your life, it's, that's perfectly okay with you and it's okay with Jesus. I believe that the wonder and the beauty of this Easter resurrection story, no matter where you are in your journey with the risen Lord, that Jesus meets you today where you are. And he once again, if we're listening, just as he called out to Mary by name, Jesus is naming you individually and personally today by name. As, I, as you know, one of my favorite uh, biblical commentary writers is a woman by the name of Deb Thomas, and I, I appreciate what she has written here about the disciples coming to the empty tomb. She says, I love the way the beloved disciples' story honors the gap between faith and understanding because it is a gap I know all so well. That takes a lot of courage for someone to say that. She goes on, she says, I believe, but I don't yet understand. She says, I believe in the resurrection, but I don't understand death's ongoing cruelty. As I've heard those words that she expressed, I think they resonate with the words from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where he says, For now I only see dimly in a mirror, but then we shall all see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. On this Easter morning, new life, resurrection life has come, and it cannot and it will not be stopped. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not be able to overcome it. There is something very profound and significant about this revelation early on in our gospel story, early in the morning while it was still dark, because that is where Easter really began. 
And Jesus continues to meet us in the midst of our own darkness, in the midst of our own doubts, our uncertainties. And he's always in the process of leading us into newness of life, into a light that the darkness cannot overcome. Take that with you today and take with you this final claim and claim this every single day of your life. This prayer that we prayed at the Holden Evening Prayer. Lord God, may the light of your Christ make our darkness bright. For your word and your presence are the light of our pathways, and you are the light and the life of all creation. And so now let us once again make the acclamation. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. I invite you to pray with me the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The blessing of our Lord Jesus, may the Lord God Almighty, the blessing of Christ the Lamb who was slain, and the blessing of the Holy Spirit of truth be among you and remain with you always. Amen.